Now streaming, the Netflix and Swill podcast. homies and welcome to netflix and swill your source for netflix news reviews and booze on today's wonderful episode we're going to talk about how netflix has increased their prices yet again uh, about how kenya barris is apparently leaving netflix and we have an excellent review for his house directed by first time feature director remy weeks but before that as you can tell i am introing the show Therefore, that must mean Caleb is dead. And that is correct. Caleb is dead. He uh, stayed overnight in the cemetery, and he got killed. Stupidly. What an idiot. So instead, uh, I have a guy here. He's just a regular guy. He he doesn't. He's not epic or filmy anymore, but he's just a guy. Welcome, Nick. And I'm Caleb, and I'm also a guy. <laughs> Hi. Shalom. Shalom. How are you, friend? I'm fantastic, Dan. It's wonderful to be back. Thank you for having me. Well, I've missed you. Uh, I cannot wait for you to start your your next podcasting journey, which is uh, an old podcasting journey, which is another cooking show. Another cooking show. Really, really excited. I've actually just got to get the RSS feed set up. Really, that's the only hurdle I have left to clear. RSS feed, and then I can start publishing episodes. There you go. Uh, it's funny, uh, you and I made chicken stock on the same weekend. L- LOL? Yeah. Mine's darker than yours, though. Wow. I, ro- I-, I roasted my chicken, and then I threw it in the stock pot, and then I gave it... That's it. I just roasted some chicken. That's it. What, that's what it came See, my to. chicken's mostly... Like, I did... Uh, I, I seared... I, so I, I got some thighs, and then I seared them, and then, you know took that and then i save all my bones and trimmings and stuff like that and just kind of cook that down but i don't roast like a chicken and then turn that into stock though oh no i got i should chicken start wings. doing that though i got chicken oh, wings, wings and i roasted them so nice yeah it was a it was a much better idea plus i'm saving any like i got a whole chicken and i spatchcocked that and roasted that so i have all the bones from that so the next time i make stock i got some cartilage and good stuff also hanging out in there welcome to netflix and food show with nick and dan i oh, mean eat it it is something I do a lot whenever I'm watching stuff is, you know, just kind of throw on some slow cookery stuff that I can put over the stove. That that stock went for what? Fucking eight hours, I think that. Day. Oh, yeah. So. It takes it takes ages. But it's it's I mean, it's 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 one of those things that when you start making it homemade, it's so worth it. Like you don't ever even question it anymore. So, yeah, yeah I love it. I love doing it. And then I made some uh, chicken tortilla soup with it. And uh, that was very good. I followed a recipe. And uh, as soon as, you know, cook time was up, I was like, all right, time to taste it. And then I was like, oh, my God, this is super watery. What does this person who made this recipe know how to spice things? <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. So I like doubled the amount of shit, like the, the amount of spices I ha- I had to put in there. And I was like, oh, now this tastes like food. Good. Yeah, some people. Yeah. And, and that's the fun thing about recipes, isn't it? It's just kind of. Walking through what other people believe are appropriate amounts of spice. Some people believe in way too much. Some people believe in not nearly enough. I probably believe in way too much, to be 100% honest. But I'd rather hey. have too much. I'd rather have 
a flavor at all as opposed to no flavor. Yes, a flavor is always good. Most of the time, I love it depends. It. Uh, there's there's certain flavors that are not good. Uh, but yes, the, this is a cooking show. Uh, also, this is actually ostensibly a Netflix podcast. So before we get into Netflix, let's talk about some swill in What's Your Swill? Can we please get some alcohol into my mouth? He hates these cans! Stay away from the cans! I am drinking the delicious air that surrounds my head right now. I'm uh, headlong, so I have not had literally the time or energy for anything lately. I'll get into this more later, but um, I'm currently starting National Novel Writing Month. Today's November 1st as we're recording this, and I've got a bunch of writing to do when we finish, and the only thing I have in my fridge right now is homebrewed stout, and I don't want to drink a bunch of homebrewed stout and then try to write a novel. <laughs> so I'm drinking nothing. <laughs> Dan, over to you. Well, I, I'm boring. I'm drinking gin and tonic. Uh, however, the specialty is the gin. I'm drinking the Rangpur, Tanqueray Rangpur gin. Uh... I don't need the botanist in me right now. I that forty fucking dollars for a gin that tastes like gin, Nick. It's just a bad choice overall. It's uh that's usually the case I find when it comes to liquor. If you wanna if you want something that tastes like actual like good liquor, you gotta spend at least thirty five minimum, probably. Yeah, but I mean like uh what? I got the the Bombay Sapphire over there. That tastes pretty good and I got a, a giant bottle of it for $70. It has lasted me basically all of quarantine. And then I get the Botanist and it's like $40 and it's like well, this tastes just like fucking Bombay Sapphire. All right, fuck it. I'm never buying this again. <laughs> I'm not a big gin person. I have to you know what? I have to have some gin. I haven't had gin. Probably the last time I had gin was Whenever I was with you and you had gin and I had some of it. I think it was your wedding. I think probably the the wedding that we don't talk about anymore. Could have been. I mean, I talk about it. I thought it was a great wedding. Aside, it from, was a fun you know, wedding. It was a fun wedding. I mean, aside from the whole you know aspect of me getting married, when I probably shouldn't have, in, in retrospect, but you know the wedding itself, top titties, man. It was a great venue, great food. So. It was then it was it was your relationship that caused me to have the the two strikes rule, which is you can tell somebody what you think about their their partner two times uh, during the relationship. One is whenever the hell you feel like it, if it's negative, it, whenever the hell you feel like it, just warn them one time. And then the second is right before they make that that mistake of getting married to that person. And I would like to point out, myself and Caleb did both of those things, and you still went through with it anyway. You fucking moron. It's true. It's true. This is what happens, ladies and gentlemen, when you don't listen to Dan and Caleb. This is uh, extremely appropriate for the Netflix and Swill and all of the Netflix and Swill content. It's true. Always listen to Caleb and Dan or Caleb and Can, whichever you prefer. Well, uh, so fun fact, and I don't know if I actually ever we ever said this on the show, but we are technically incorporated as Caleb and Can yeah. Productions. You did. You told me that. I know that, but I didn't. I didn't know if you ever did mention it on the show or not. Yeah, we are officially. So Dale you're technically both. So yeah, it's it's either. <laughs> it's 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 hilarious that uh, an early EFG slip up from you turned into uh, an actual name. Waka waka waka. Right. All right. Yes. Uh. So, uh, with all of this banter out of the way, it's time to get into some news. Oh. 
shit, it's mail time. Dear Mr. Fisk, please stop leaving paper bags filled with your shit in my store. Okay, Frank, you got it. I'll stop leaving paper bags filled with my shit in your store. Oh, shit, I lied. Here's another Should story. Should I put on the... I've got the... I've still got the Trip Fisk wig and eye patch right next I to mean, me because I was wearing them when I was streaming yesterday. And Should I be wearing them right now to record I, this episode? I mean, it's, it is it is what it is. Uh, so, uh, our next story is uh, Netflix is increasing its subscription prices for the standard and premium plans in the U.S. Our next story is about a streaming service that really fucked up. Uh, we'll get to that. <laughs> uh, effective immediately. So that means uh, if you're a new subscriber to Netflix... Uh, you will see the new increased price, and on your next billing cycle, you will see the new increased price. Uh, fortunately, I think our billing cycle was maybe three days ago, uh, so this was before this happened. So we get a a, a whole month of of Netflix at third at uh what was it sixteen dollars because we are on the premium plan. Uh, Look at you cheating the system. All right, uh, the standard plan will now be fourteen dollars a month, previously thirteen dollars a month, and the premium plan will now be eighteen dollars a month. Previously, $16. Uh, standard plan offers two screens anytime viewing and 1080p resolution, while the premium plan provides four screens anytime viewing and 4K HDR Dolby Atmos. Nick, what do you think about the increased price from Netflix and potentially its timing? I mean, its timing is shit. <laughs> But I mean, you guys are no stranger to the fact that Netflix is just terrible with money, right? So, yes, you know, yes, they got to they got to get that green somewhere. I mean, they're the only ones still producing. I mean, okay, so movie production companies and like, there's a lot of movies with like Corona, like protections and stuff that are like still shooting and everything. Although theaters are closed and will be until Lord knows when to when we could actually get them back open again. You know, mm-hmm. but I mean, ostensibly Netflix is actually still producing and releasing content i mean i guess that's the that's the caveat there is they're actually still putting stuff out so i mean is it shitty timing probably but it's also it's a dollar i don't care sure it's a dollar (laughs) it's it's a dollar it's two dollars uh i do think it's a bit strange that you know the u.s because this is where specifically located like the price increase is located it's the u.s and the u.s continually uh, jumps up in terms of record number COVID cases like every other day. So uh, I feel like at some point there's going to be another shutdown and this is going to be a bad idea that should not have been done. Now, maybe they were trying to do this earlier in the year and now that things are becoming more normal, they're like, okay, most people are back to work. Fuck it, up it by a buck. Yeah, I won't. I, I really, I, I don't know. Like I said, it's, it's, it, it might just be, you know, maybe it's a captive audience thing or, you know, it might just be, you know, they just, they're terrible with money and they just need more money because they can't, you know, keep a series on for more than three seasons anyway. So then they're constantly cycling through all sorts of new series and original movies and whatnot instead of consistently like i don't their business model's weird and i don't really i don't really understand it like i mean i get like you know canceling a show that you know isn't getting viewership or what isn't justifying its production costs i mean that's it's dollars and cents in in the entertainment business you feel right yes but like i mean like 
it's become just kind of a, a a a joke now that you know when you when you get a Netflix series, it's like you get three seasons. Even when you're glow and you've already started production on the fourth before the shutdown, they're still like, nope, get out. <laughs> like, and they still already paid those contracts, so it's like you technically already still paid for some of it. Yeah, it's that one was weird because it's like you 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 shot an episode, you've paid for the contracts, just shoot the fucking season, man. Yeah, like I don't like unless was there maybe there was some kind of rider in the in the thing, but I mean I I get it like a wrestling show like you know you're gonna have a bunch of people in close quarters and whatnot. Although you know like I I don't know I really I like I said I don't get it to the point where like I can't like you know see tuning in on Netflix and like continuing any kind of a series because you're just kind of expecting everything to be. Just like nothing but limited series. Like, I guess, can they just go with that business model? Like, everything's like a 10 episode limited series and it's done. I don't know like, why creators aren't already doing that. Based no. like, you know who you're working with. You you should be writing a, a beginning and an end and cramming that all into X number of episodes. Yeah. And if Netflix yeah, wants more, then you give them more. But then, you know, at least you give a beginning and an end. It's a super, it's a super, but, but I mean, then I, I am the, I am the Netflix consumer and, and you know this about me, but I'm the Netflix consumer who the only thing I ever watched on Netflix was like Parks and Rec and the Mm -hmm. office reruns. Mm -hmm. So I would never, ever watch anything. And like, there's all sorts of things that maybe one of these days I'll get a chance to check out. Like I still haven't watched like The Witcher or, uh, I don't know. You name it. I probably haven't seen it on Netflix, which is the greatest poll for like, oh, yeah, let's get Nick and have him do an episode of a Netflix podcast. Sure, sure. Although I did watch everything. You, for, you watched for everything episode. that was required of you this week. So that's all I that did. matters. I did. And I didn't even shut it off halfway through. And let me tell you, I whew, it was an endurance trial, a fucking endurance trial, Dan. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is, and we mentioned it, the the cancellations. So recently, the cancel shows we've talked about: Teenage Bounty Hunters, The Dark Crystal, Age of Resistance, Glow. Uh, there are like two other ones, and I can't. Uh, the Society's one. I don't think we ever talked about that, but th- there have been like six cancellations within the last month, and then all of a sudden they're like, "Hey, we want to charge you more money," and it's like, "Well, if you're going to charge us more money, maybe keep some things around that we like." Wasn't it like, I, I can't remember when I initially talked to you about this years ago, probably at this point, but I mean, isn't Netflix's, you know, balance sheet basically just like a whole lot of debt and everything because they're just constantly spending money they don't have to acquire series or produce series or movies? It's gotten better because yeah. of this. Like, we say on the show all the time, hey, we're doing pretty well thanks to COVID. Like, COVID times, we're doing okay. Netflix yeah. is the exact same way. They're doing pretty all right through COVID. Like they're they're getting out of debt, uh, and I mean the thing is, so like, maybe they're with, just trying to shore that up some more. I don't know. Yeah, and maybe the and the thing with that is is like they don't have the content library of a Disney or an NBC or an HBO, and they need to build that up. And that's why you were talking about like they re- release so much shit, and it's like who watches this? Who the fuck knows? But people watch it, so. It's not our audience, I can tell you that. <laughs> and it's not me. Oh yeah, our audience actually wants to watch like I guess narrative, like strong narrative stuff uh in terms of series or like entertaining movies, whatever. I prefer anthology series myself. But those assholes on YouTube and that yodeling llama cunt. <laughs> That's a cautionary tales of sword reference that you barely hear. 
All right. So uh, that's that. It's a, it's a, it's bad timing, but it it's kind of to be expected at this point that Netflix is just going to keep increasing prices until. And I, quite quite honestly, I don't understand why the four the four screen plan isn't the standard plan now. Like, just make that the standard plan. Say, tell everybody yeah. they're paying you know sixteen dollars, fifteen dollars a month. You get four screens, four K. That would have solved a lot of problems, actually. I think. Yeah, I, I, maybe they're just trying to slowly creep their way to twenty bucks, and maybe twenty bucks is just where they're going to leave it for a while. You would hope. I don't know. Because I think I think twenty bucks is asking a lot out of people. I think the problem is they gotta they 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 have to be able to stick to some kind of. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I mean, you think about like Netflix, like a few years ago, like, okay, you know, the spaciness of it aside, you had House of Cards, which was several seasons. You had mm-hmm. Oranges of the New Black, several seasons. You had all these different things that people would tune in for, like, whatever. But like, I mean, you start with like the Marvel shows leaving, they all got canceled. And now basically anything else that catches any kind of traction, like, sort of, nothing. Just, I mean, just, I, I like I said, I don't know if it's, Maybe they're just still, maybe they've just got too many high value productions that just don't have a good enough turnover rate where, you know, in terms of dollars and cents where they just need to, you know, cut them off. And maybe they're just trying to produce much cheaper, easier content. But then Netflix also still really wants to consider themselves like a legitimate movie studio and like Mm -hmm. be like legitimately considered for awards because once they can finally get that best picture Oscar, it'll legitimize streaming services as a whole or at least that's the theory probably yes so they still are spending an absolute ass load of money like forking over for productions or forking over for for films already produced just to try to get rights to all these different oscar flicks oscar baby flicks yeah so yeah i mean it's i I don't know It, it is interesting to see how much money they spend on movie productions and then how little it seems like they want to spend on series productions conversely. And maybe they don't want to, maybe that's a, maybe that's a a transition of their model is like, they just don't want to be considered a TV studio. Maybe they want to be considered a movie studio. Although I don't know, like I think that seems like weird for a company that seems set on setting themselves apart from a kind of traditional format. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And I feel like if you're trying to retain customers, the best way to do that is to keep ongoing serial content and recognizable brands. Yeah. And when you cancel some things that potentially could be or like could be cult hits, uh, like Teenage Bounty Hunters, that could have been a cult hit for all we know. I don't know what the, there's no, I, I don't know a single person in that show. I couldn't, I couldn't pick them out of a fucking lineup. I don't even know what you're talking about right now. I'm I'm assuming that's a show that's on Netflix. <laughs> it, uh, it is a show that was canceled by Netflix uh, like two weeks ago. But like that show could not have been expensive at all to even remotely film or anything. So I don't I, there's just certain. Is it like shows. a reality show? No, I don't. It's it's basically two girls in a van and then a meteor hits. That's when everything gets knocked into 12th gear. No, it's about uh two two sisters, two twin sisters who. um are who like accidentally become bounty hunters it's kind of interesting it was an interesting premise i enjoyed the i enjoyed the pilot i didn't watch much more than that so i'm the problem but like that's a weird enough show that i feel like you know if it had an audience people might check it out interesting but that's just me all right our next story is that kenya barris is set to leave his production deal with netflix and move to viacom cbs bold fucking move uh 
Can you, Barris recently opened up in interviews stating that he misses the ability to be timely with network television, and the Netflix seems to release series whenever they want. Uh, Barris also stated in a roundtable with other creatives that Netflix gives him a lot of creative freedom and prefers having some oversight on his productions. Uh, Barris signed his three-year production deal with Netflix back in 2018 and has only released one series for the streamer, Hashtag Black AF. Mick, what is your familiarity with Kenya Barris? I don't know who that is. Uh, he, he's produced <laughs> a such hit series as Grownish, uh, Mixedish, Blackish, uh, and other things. Uh, he's a he's a black writer who writes for like black shows for black audiences, basically. So he wants he wants more of an executive producer oversight, I guess. Like yes. from the from a network level, than that he doesn't want complete creative freedom. I, I to believe me, I when I heard that, I'm like, wait, what? He just wants to be like somebody who's just churning out content in the system, like tailored to a specific network's like requirements for content. So he's going to go to CBS. And I mean, there's, if there's one thing you could say about CBS shows, other than the fact that they all suck, um, <laughs> they all feel exactly like CBS shows. Like when you watch a CBS mm -hmm. show, you can just tell. Like, so is that what he wants? Does he just want to be like a cog in like the generic CBS machine? I guess uh, when I, when I heard that, I'm like, then why did you go to Netflix in the first place? Like, I guess a hundred million dollars says go for it. But like, that makes no sense to me. If you want, if you want some creative control taken away from you, why did you go to Netflix in the first place? That is their number one marketable asset is aside from the money is that as a creative, you do whatever the fuck you want. I mean, that. I, 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 then again, I, I'm not like a television producer or anything, so I don't have any frame of reference for it. But I mean, as a creative in some endeavors on my own, like I relish creative freedom, like I love it and I'm loath to give it up. So I can't really imagine that. Like, I can't, I, mean, I, I don't know. Maybe, I, I don't really know. Like I said, I, maybe it's just a thing of like Viacom CBS does still have like a great deal of exposure, even though it's 2020. And the idea of just straight up like the big three and network television hasn't been relevant in 40 years. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't necessarily get that. But I mean, network television is still big business, you know, like it, despite Netflix and your HBOs and your Amazons and all those different things that are that are big nowadays, you know, I don't know. Like, I, I really don't know. I I don't know. Maybe they guaranteed they're going to get him an Emmy somehow and they're sucking every dick in Hollywood backlots to get it done. I don't know. I don't know. I, don't <laughs> I really know. don't. I don't know. So, uh, I don't know if I'm Netflix, I am leaping at the fact that he wants to get out of this deal because he's only produced one thing for you. Like in two years, a hundred million dollars. Cause he signed this back in August of 2018. In in two years, he's he's done hashtag Black AF, and that's it. And when was that released? Uh, earlier this year. So it took so, him, uh, hmm. what, nine months to even get it done in the first place? No. Wait, it's uh, 21 months. It took him 21 months. It took him almost two years to release one thing, and he hasn't done anything else. So, I mean, you think about, like, that kind of money, like... You throw a hundred million dollars at somebody and say, here, create a ton of content for us. Like, don't you just like literally take like your whole production company and just be like, l like, let's go. Like, well, just I'll tell I mean, you is who it did just that. Ryan Murphy, Ryan Murphy. Has, I think he I think we're at 
10 things that he's already done for Netflix in a production deal that was signed around the same time as Kenya Barris for $100 million. Like, yeah. Ryan Murphy has pumped out fucking content. Say what you want about Ryan Murphy, but he's at least, like, Netflix is getting their values worth out of that contract. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, I, I don't, I, like I said, but then again, is it, yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't know. That's, that's super fucking weird. That's, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It seems really weird to want to be like, no, we want, I want to have less of a voice in what I produce and what I create. Please make my product as generic as everything else on CBS, which literally, if you want to go like, at least go to like an NBC or something like that, like an NBC universal, yeah. don't stick around and, and go to like literally every CBS show is the same. They all have the exact same kind of canned laugh track, like really generic, really just boring, bland kind of like I, I could not tell you a single CBS series that I enjoy or have enjoyed in the past ever. Wait, all in the family, which technically aired before I was born. <laughs> there can't whatever whatever cameras they use over at CBS, they need to fucking upgrade. They look terrible. Their cameras are fucking atrocious. And they all they all are just that really generic. I mean, it's okay. It's like the number one network, like with old people. Yeah. Is that what you just, you just want to skew for that uh, middle-aged white folk in the Bible Belt demographic? But I mean, he's he's a guy who creates shows about black people for black people. So like that doesn't make even from that. So from that aspect, it doesn't even make sense. Like, why are you going to CBS if if like you want to? When their number one demographic is olds. Maybe he likes football. I don't know. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know Nick. So, uh, Kenya Barris likely to leave soon. Uh, and I'm sure once he does leave any NDA he has, once, once that's up, we'll actually understand why he's leaving Netflix. But, uh, based off of two interviews that he gave recently, like in the last like couple months, I, I don't get it, man. Whatever. All right, and our final story. Uh, Netflix and Ubisoft are partnering once again with a live-action series of Assassin's Creed. Uh, this now marks the third partnership between Netflix and Ubisoft, with The Division, starring Jake Gyllenhaal and Jessica Chastain, as a movie uh, premiering at some point in the future. I don't know. And uh, their series for Beyond Good and Evil. Nick, do you care? No, Dan, I do not. Okay. Uh, did you, Nick, did you watch the Assassin's Creed movie with Michael Fassbender? No, I did not. Okay, I didn't, I didn't either. Basically, like... Justin Kurzel directed that, and he did a version of Macbeth. I'm a big Shakespeare guy, which you know about me. Mm -hmm. You know, he did a version of Macbeth with Michael Fassbender and Marion Cotillard, who is also in the Assassin's Creed movie. And A, I don't play Assassin's Creed, so I don't care about it from that aspect. Mm -hmm. And then after I saw that Macbeth movie, I was like, yeah, fuck this guy. <laughs> like, I had no interest in anything else he was going to produce ever. Because, like, he... like. He he believes in that kind of like dread 3D level of slow mo where it's like one oh percent speed, like where they had like Macbeth had like all these battle sequences of like literally it would be like a guy almost freeze frame like moving like t -t 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 like slow motion kind of stuff like like people that like 
make Zack Snyder envious, you know, like with, with their over usage uh, and over indulgence in, in slow-mo. And like, after I saw that Macbeth, I was just like, how do you take Michael Fassbender and Marion Cotillard and give them Macbeth and fuck it up? Like, no. So then like, I certainly am not going to care about a property that I'm not interested in when he couldn't even do justice to one that I was. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I played the first few Assassin's Creed games and then I was like, I'm fucking done with this shit. I then played like Syndicate, and that's like the last one I played. So uh, I might check this out just because, you know, video games. But we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. We'll see what it's even about in the first place. Who the fuck knows? We are still just waiting for that one great, great video game live action something that's really going to break those barriers and all of a sudden create a feeding frenzy around it for Hollywood types. Yep. Uh, I have said, though, that Netflix just needs to sign a partnership deal with Ubisoft and just continue to produce all their stuff. This is, like I said, this is their third deal with Ubisoft. Just sign a fucking partnership at this point. Maybe they don't. Maybe, uh, maybe I don't know. Maybe Ubisoft is trying to, trying to keep their cards closer to their chest because they don't just want to give Netflix that much power. I don't know. Because because maybe Ubisoft is just waiting for one of these series to like take off, and then they can go back to Netflix with the next idea and be like, "Now we want more. Now we want more money." It's possible. <sighs> They're gonna have that hundred million dollars freed up from Barris. So <laughs> I wonder how much of that he's paying back. I'm just, I don't uh, know. Actually, he's if I'm paying. Netflix, I just let them have the hundred million. Say go for, go away. Don't come back. Have fun at CBS creating the Big Bang Theory 2.0. Or Little Sheldon 2, Electric Boogaloo. I, I will say, uh, hashtag Black AF is getting another season, so if Netflix out of the nowhere seemingly cancels that, uh, you know Barris has done it Netflix for sure. We cared so much about the Ubisoft news, we went back to the last news item. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it, it's a we'll see. It, 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 was a big, it was a big to do on Twitter, and I don't know why people were so gung-ho about it. It's, we don't know anything. We we haven't seen anything. That's why I hate talking about announcements. It's like, hey, this this movie starring all these people is happening uh, soon. Okay, show me something. Uh, we we just casted everybody. Check out check out the artwork that we have for the poster. Okay, show me something from the movie. Uh, guys, look at look at this this costume this production still like this person in the test costume. I don't care. Show me the fucking thing. I don't care. You know what? Everything, everything you're describing to me right now, this is Black Adam with The Rock right now to me. Like when they did Fandom for DC, they gave us that fucking like animatic of him as like just just make the movie, just make the fucking movie. Stop it! Stop, wa- stop wasting my time. I don't care. Just show, just show it. me the movie or the the, sh- the show. I don't care. Just show me. Literally, just like every like so. so like, how long has we been talking about being Black Adam for like seven years now? Yeah. Like, God damn it. All right. So with the the bitch fest about how Hollywood drums up interest in things over, it's time to get into downstream and talk about some things that we need to drum up interest in, apparently. Baby, I can't control the internet. I wish we still had the original of that. I know. Me too. I can't believe you silenced that entire part. That's out like my favorite asshole. line. I fucking hate you. I'm the worst. Yeah. All right. Our first trailer is for Rose Island. This is a movie. Uh, oh, God. What, what does Caleb do? He reads, like, the the YouTube synopsis of the Oh, trailer. God. 
Oh, God, do you want me to do that? No, I, I got it. Uh, an idealistic engineer builds his own island off the Italian coast and declares it a nation, drawing the world's attention. Values are tested when the Italian government declares him an enemy, but to change the world, risks must be taken. There should be a comment in there. Uh, okay. Uh, Nick, what did you think? It's it's like a giant plywood platform out in the ocean that they just party on. Nick. I, um... I don't know. Maybe there's more depth to this film than this trailer let on, but literally his his nation is just a it's literally a bunch of plywood. I mean, it's it's anchored like they build like supports. Yeah. There's a scene of them like welding underwater or whatever. Fine, whatever. But like it's literally like every time they do a shot of like on his nation, whatever, it's just a bunch of people partying. Yeah. I don't care. It's a, it's a bunch <laughs> of people partying, doing drugs. You know, it's it's basically like. Las Vegas. That's that's basically chalk what this, this is. up to bad marketing. Maybe, maybe there's more. Like I said, maybe there's more to this than the trailer lets on. But I really, really was not won over by the trailer. It's like I don't care if you want to have your own <laughs> nation where you can go and get fucking wasted. It's like that episode of Family Guy where we have Petopia. Yeah, that's basically what it was. Is but like, there's no fun Peter Griffin ripoff of uh, Hammer Time that he, this guy does there's just they're just partying all the time which why damn it opportunities lost and know, wasted right? all right uh this next trailer is potentially one that almost everyone will care about it's called the midnight sky it's starring and directing uh george clooney our humanity endures this post-apocalyptic tale follows Augustine, George Clooney, a lonely scientist in the Arctic as he races to stop Sully, Felicity Jones, and her fellow astronauts from, from returning home, where a mysterious global catastrophe has taken place. Clooney directs the adaptation of Lily Brooks, Lily Brooks Dalton's acclaimed novel, Good Morning Midnight, co-starring David uh, Oyelowo. Is that the guy from um, 12 He's from Selma. Life? I know that. Oh, Selma. Okay. Uh, Kyle Chandler. Damien Bashir and Tiffany Boone comes out comes to Netflix on December twenty third. Nick, how much do you care about George Clooney's directing something? I was so excited for this until I saw that shot of Kyle Chandler in the trailer, and it was literally <laughs> like I had a boner and I was getting ready to go in, and then something lopped my dick off. Like so, so excited, Dan. And then like I like Clooney, I really do. Although I don't think I've seen too many of the films that he's directed, and I don't think they play that well. Honestly, but I mean, he's like sporting like full beard, like looking disheveled and everything. And, you know, I like Clooney enough where I'm willing to give pretty much most things he does a chance. He was in one of my favorite movies ever up in the air like 10 years ago Mm -hmm. or whatever. I just Mm -hmm. I like Clooney and I like the rest of this cast, except for Kyle fucking Chandler. He doesn't have any talent. He's terrible. He really does. Literally the worst. He really I hate Kyle Chandler so much. All right. So here are some movies that. Uh, George Clooners has directed Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, Good Night and Good Luck, Leatherheads, The Ides of March, The Monuments Men, Suburbicon, uh, and this. So A whole bunch of movies I have never seen. Yeah, I don't think I've seen Nailed a it. single one of them. So this will be my first George Clooney movie that he's directed. I've seen the Oceans movie, so of course, and, and of course, the best one, uh, Batman Robin. I mean, he's master class there. Master class. Ah, uh, this looks fine. This will likely be a looks, topic. 
interesting. Yeah, I yeah. thought it looked interesting. I was I was at least interested in this trailer enough to keep watching it, in spite of its Kyle Chandlerness. Yeah, Felicity Jones and something that isn't Star Wars. So, you know. I also love her. So, yeah, that helps. Well, I guess she was in that RBG movie, uh, or no, it was on a uh, on the basis of sex. That's it. Ah. It's a Ruth Bader Ginsburg movie. That's, that's what I know about that movie. So, yeah, uh, likely to be a main review topic. And I'm sure when Caleb watches that trailer, he'll be like, I fucking hate you. Why did you pick this? LOL. I love you, Caleb. All right. Our next trailer is for The White Tiger. Uh, from acclaimed writer-director Ramin Bahrani uh, comes. I'm sorry if... Someone has a name that isn't white. I can't really pronounce non-white names. Uh, comes the epic journey of a poor Indian driver, Adarsh Gurav, who uses his wit and cunning to break free from servitude to his rich masters. Oh, God. Uh, Rajkumar Rao and Priyanka Chopper Jonas. And rise to the top of the heap. The White Tiger is based on the New York Times bestseller and 2008 Man Booker Prize winning novel written by... Aravind Adiga. Nick, do you care? No, Dan, I do not. Okay. Uh, this looks like it could be okay. Uh, this comes out in 2021. That's all I know. This looked like super, super Oscar Beatty type stuff. 100%. Like, this is, they're, uh, I, don't, I think this is mo- mostly in English, so they're not even going to go for foreign language. They're going for straight up Oscars. Which uh, I don't know how that's gonna that's gonna play. Of course, I don't care. But this was like a super like the the whole trailer for this. Like the whole time I'm watching this, I'm like, this is like the Oscar baitiest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It even it even the trailer and the, and the film itself even takes a pot shot at Slumdog Millionaire just yeah. because. Yeah, it's like it feels it feels really on the nose in that respect, and I'm just like. I listen. No, no. You know what? I'm not a rich person, and I don't. I don't enjoy movies typically that are like rich people bad. You know? Yeah. Like life's hard enough down here for us plebs. We don't need to be constantly reminded of our struggle. Yeah, hundred percent agree. I I also make not a lot of money, and I'm just like, all right, I get it. Rich people suck. Like we don't need a movie every three weeks about a rich people rich people being shitty. Yeah. All right, our next trailer is for Selena the Series. Before she became the queen of Tejano music, Selena uh, uh, Quinti, Quintanilla was a... There we go. Just Selena, just say Selena. Uh, was a young girl from Texas with big dreams and an even, even bigger voice. Selena the Series explores her journey from, the, from singing small gigs to becoming the most successful Latin artist of all time. In the years of hard work and sacrifice, the... Continia families navigated together. I am so white. Nick, do you care? No, Dan, I do not. Uh, so according to the Bubby, this uh, actually was an ori- a, a movie originally. So uh, as per usual, they instead of just straight up remaking it as another movie, they have instead decided to elongate our suffering by making it a series. But, but as we talked about earlier... Maybe Netflix should just do, like, nothing but limited series. And, I mean, nothing for nothing, this would be a limited series because uh, she isn't around anymore. So That is correct. 
you know, I mean, maybe this is Netflix giving us what we said we wanted before, so we shouldn't look a gift horse in the mouth, Daniel. Yeah. Uh, it does say it's part one of a two-part series, so we, they have a very definitive end, so unless this, like, truly bombs, there is no way that this isn't getting its second part. Is this, like, a thing that people actually are, like, looking for, though? I mean, this maybe this is Netflix and I'm, like, plugged into, like, the Latin music community whatsoever, like, is this, is Selena still a thing, like, that people are interested in? I, I don't, I don't fuck know. Fuck if I, I know. I, I have a very distinct genre of music that I listen to, and I don't really venture outside of that. What if Selena did a cover of Blink-182's All the Small Things? That is not the distinct genre of music I am speaking about, if, but uh, I'd be if, interested. So where would you insert Blink-182's All the Small Things into this trail? Oh, that'd be the only <laughs> song she sang. She, she sang. <laughs> Shout out Sam, movie reviews and 20 Qs. Love you, buddy. He's fine. Who's uh, a published author now? He is. I, I also have his book. It does say Sam Hurley, so I can't... Uh, it, it says Sam Hurley on the cover, so I can't call him Samuel Hurley because uh, I now see it in writing. So that's... I don't know why... That's a stupid joke. Let's move on to our next trailer, which is for Eden. Thousands of years into the future, there are no more humans. Only robots live in the mechanical metropolis, Eden 3, or so they thought. One day, two farming robots find a young human girl in the city. The decision they make will change everything. Eden, the first Netflix Japanese original anime, really? Uh, presented by director Yoshihiro Iri. I, I can say Japanese names, no problem. Hooray. Uh, Full Metal Alchemist. And concept designer Toshihiro Kawamoto. Cowboy Bebop. Coming globally in 2021, only on Netflix. Nick, do you care? No, Dan, I do not. And that's not, like, listen, I just, I'm not an anime person, really. Like, I some things, maybe. But it's not a genre that, like, widely appeals to me. So, Nick, I mean, that's not to say. 35% of my power. Wow. I mean, Dragon Ball Z is just like transcends, though. Well, that, like, was, that's just... that was my attempt at a Taguro. Yeah. Or, or yeah, Yu Yu Hakusho was the shit, at least until that whole Chapter Black thing. We won't talk about that. But, uh, yeah, look, I mean, I get it. I get what it's going for. Like, let's flip human prejudices onto robots that are prejudiced for some reason. I don't robots know why. Robots have but... emotion in this universe. You let them have emotions. <laughs> damn it. Yeah, so I mean, it's just you know, I'm fine. I'm this. I am not the audience for this, so I really don't have much of an opinion on it outside of that. I mean, it looks it looks colorful and pretty. Yeah, I do like the art style. It is 2D, yeah. even though it is computer generated in animation. I can tell. Uh, unfortunately, I, I am an animated purist, and uh, that is an issue. But regardless, I'm interested in this. Just don't do the, the 3D shit that everything does now and looks like fucking garbage. That's it's all I care about. Yeah, a lot of this kind of animated content seems overproduced, in my opinion. Mm. Make it simpler. Yeah. All right. Uh, our next trailer is for something I know I don't care about already and I barely want to talk about, but I have to talk about it because that is the segment. This is called Alice in Borderland. Get ready for the heart-pounding thrills on a Hollywood scale. The Netflix original series Alice in Borderland starts December 10th only on Netflix. The series also boasts a star-studded cast including Kento Yamazaki and Tao Suchia. There we go. Good enough. Uh, Nick, the it didn't even say what this is fucking about. Do you care about this? 
it seems like it's like what they get like trapped in a video game or something or like i don't know they're in like this video game kind of world or something i don't necessarily know um i think it's visually very striking i really liked a lot of the visual aspects of this the production design in this and the costume work i think is Mm -hmm. all those things really interest me about it so uh i mean did i like this trailer more than i liked some of the other trailers like the rose island or whatever the fuck that thing was Rose island yep exactly like yeah did was this more interesting to me than that yes would i ever probably watch this probably not yeah uh it it does have an interesting idea and an interesting aesthetic uh however i don't see how this is a series in any way shape or form this should just be a movie unless it's a limited series in which case okay but i just i just don't get it i don't i don't get it being a series yeah i don't know i don't know all right i don't know (laughs) okay uh, that'll move us on to our next trailer, which is for a documentary called Trial 4. A Boston man facing his fourth trial for murdering a police officer fights to prove his innocence and expose the police corruption that unjustly put him away for 22 years. Uh, this is more of like the... Oh, God, what's the... Pro- it's in the fucking trailer, too. It's like that, uh, that non-profit group that helps wrongfully convicted people uh not be wrongfully convicted anymore. The Human Justice Project or something like that? I forget what the hell it's called. Oh, wait. I almost found it. I almost found it. Uh Innocence Project, that's it. And so do you like that I'm just leaving you out here to flail in the wind? It, like it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> uh I know documentaries aren't your thing. Do you care? Uh no, because documentaries aren't my thing. I mean I I'm it's it's terrible, you know, if he was, you know, put away wrongfully for anything and yes racial injustice especially in in police corruption definitely exists and is definitely a thing that we should pay way more attention to and and deal with but that said i don't care about documentary films whatsoever yep (laughs) they are just they just don't interest me whatsoever yeah Uh, the odd documentary will but this uh i mean i've i've seen 13th i almost feel like i've seen all of these kind of documentaries once i've watched that one so uh, just go watch 13th again is my recommendation. Hooray. And our final trailer is for the endless trench, AKA La Trinchera Infinita. Uh, the first movie in Spanish from producers and directors of Handia, a film based on the incredible true story of the mole from the Spanish civil war, who spent 33 years hidden in his own house for fear of retribution. How the fuck did they just not burn down his fucking house? I don't get it. Uh, Nick, do you care? No, Dan, I do not. Good good man. I don't care either. This looks like it could be fine. Man, it seems like I don't care about anything or like want to watch anything. I mean... I, I mean, based off of man. your your old school... Uh, based off of your old podcast you and you when you didn't watch anything, checks out. Just wait until we get to, uh, you know, quick hits. Oh, well, that's I don't worry. I only have one thing myself. Uh, speaking of which, let's get to quick hits and talk about the one thing that I watched this week and the zero things that Nick watched this week. I'm doing the Kermit flail. So, Nick, tell me about all the things you didn't watch this week. 
Uh, so I watched Les Mis uh, on Friday with my girlfriend. Does that count? I've seen it a million times. I know I love it. And, you know, that's 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 what I did. Uh, I have been writing, like, nonstop for weeks now, uh, getting prepared not only to launch the, the cooking show, you know, which is going to be coming up very, very soon. I wish I had a date, but I don't. I need to just stamp a date and then make myself stick to it. But that notwithstanding, I've been busy working, prepping the food show, getting all my ducks in a row so I can really get the food show put out there, and preparing for National Novel Writing Month, which, you know, again, started today as a recording day. So I have watched nothing, and all of my downtime that I do have is spent playing, like, Minecraft or whatever, like, just so I can do whatever. I don't know. I don't watch a lot of things, and then when I do, it's like comfort food. I tend to just go for the things that I know I enjoy as opposed to checking out new things that, you know, maybe I won't, and I feel like I could have spent the time more productively. Maybe some more on that later. We'll see. Uh, so Les Mis is on Netflix, so somehow you backed into this one, and you got it right. Mmm. Nailed it. Uh, I watched the new 2020 movie, Yes, God, Yes, starring Natalia Dyer, uh, who you all know from Stranger Things. Uh, basically this is set in, like, the early 2000s, where she is a young girl who goes to Catholic school and is very religious, uh, up until a point where a rumor, a very nasty rumor, started about her. So she goes to a, a an away camp for a weekend uh, to uh, learn about religion and stuff. And actually Ugh. discovers, well, and actually discovers religion isn't all that it seemed to be. Uh, and kind of learns no. how to grow up and all this stuff. Oh, you knock me over with the news. Woo. Woo. So. Uh, That's what I say. I say, you. That's what I say. Uh, so, uh, for those of you who are unaware, I am formerly Catholic. Uh, I stopped being Catholic around, too. around the same time that Natalia Dyer does in this movie, which is at, at the age of 16. Uh, and Me too! I, I felt a lot of this movie. This, so, like, you might connect with it. It's only 75 minutes, so it's a relatively hey brief watch. You're speaking my language right now. <laughs> Perfect. So, like... Natalia Dyer is okay. Like she's fine. Like she kind of like she's going through like the typical teen shit of like figuring out her sexuality and that kind of stuff. So right. it's, it's you have that aspect of it compiled and on top of like Catholicism and the militant the the militant way that people in like perceive the Bible and how it should be enforced is uh very restrictive on her. So she's like trying to learn about herself, but not really feeling like she's able to because she feels like everything she's doing is a sin. Uh, that's a wonderful kind of thing. I don't want to say it totally damns Catholicism, but it is a very striking indictment against it, uh, which, you know, if you don't need more of that, I understand. Uh, there's enough of that already in, in today's day and age where we shit on religion and that kind of stuff. So, uh, I recommend it. Like I said, it's 75 minutes. It's not going to take much of your time. And, uh, you know, if you're a former Catholic or a Catholic in general, you're probably going to reckon like recognize a lot of the things that she's going through and say, yeah. "Oh, I remember this." Hooray! So there's that. We uh, did it. With that, it's time to, uh, I guess, hop because Caleb's not here to make fun of me for it. Into a quick break, and when we come back, we will talk about our main review topic for the week: his house. The Netflix and Swill podcast is brought to you by our patrons, Gerald Morris, Bill Sutton, Nick Haskins, Ashley the Bubby Gorski, 
Ben Kiefer, Paul Prezula, Daniel Henderson, Julio Oliveira, Jimmy De La Rosa, Chris Yaney, Brianna Petty, Justin Esquivel, Nate Wade, Alan Gallarisi, Duty Dutram, and Dan's mom. If you would like to become a patron of the show, find us at netflixandswill.com slash Patreon. Buy some shit. Visit netflixandswill.com slash merch. Leave a review and tell me how good I'm getting at public speaking. Visit netflixandswill.com slash Apple Podcasts. Thanks for letting us live our dreams of being professional idiots. We now return you to your regularly scheduled banter. Welcome back, everybody. Nicholas, it's weird not saying Caleb. It's time to get into our main review topic for the week. Whose house? His house. His house is a 2020 horror film released on Netflix on October 30th, just in time for the spooky season to end. A refugee couple makes a harrowing escape from war-torn South Sudan, but then they struggle to adjust to their new life in an English town that has an evil lurking beneath the surface. It's directed by Remy Weeks, written by Felicity Evans, Tony Venables, and uh, Remy Weeks, and stars Sope Dirisu, uh, Wunmi Wusa- Mosaku, and Matt Smith. <laughs> I So for even more comedic effect, what I should have done was I should have also said Malika Wakoli Abigaba and then Matt Smith. Yeah. Note how Matt Smith is the only one I didn't struggle how to say. Uh, so there, there it is. Dan is the whitest white boy. I really am. I can speak French and I can, I can weeb it up, but that's about it. So, uh, this is a 6.6 or 6.6, 6.4 out of 10 on IMDb. And that brings me to you, Nicholas. It's a horror movie. I know how much you love these. what did you think of his house? Uh, get ready, everyone. Ready. Are you ready? It's fine. <laughs> it's fair. I mean, the performances, the performances in the film, to its credit, are very good. I really, really love the performances in this film. It did swerve. We'll talk about it in spoilers, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you get to kind of what happens in this film, it did swerve because I was kind of wondering. Like, I knew there was a catch. Like, this is a, a film you start watching it, and it's mercifully like 90 minutes. Get you in, get you out. Not a lot of fluff. Not a lot of excess stuff. Doesn't drag on forever, which I feel like will come up later on in the show. <laughs> but you know, uh, it's it just. It, I don't know. It's not my bag. It's not my genre. So, you know, films in this type of genre have to work hard to win me over. This sure. worked hard enough. This will be a recommend for me at the end of the day. Uh, it's not the best thriller I've ever seen, but I've seen far worse. Which we will likely talk about much later. Uh, so, I, can, I, I basically agree. I did watch this twice uh, because, like you said, there is a shift at the at the 11th hour, which... I don't want to compare it directly to, like, I don't know, one of my favorite 11th hour shifts, which is, like, Shutter Island, but it does completely change the paradigm in which you're viewing the movie. So really does. Go, I, I wanted to go back and watch it through that lens, and from that lens, it lends, uh, it helps a lot. Like, it, it really does yeah. help a lot in terms of understanding why a lot of choices are being made. Because, like, up until that point, you're like, man, there's a lot of... A lot of people being shitty about this one specific thing that doesn't make any sense why they're being so shitty about. And then you get the reveal and it's like, oh, this is why they're being shitty. Okay, I understand. Now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but otherwise, I like it 
there's problems with the visual effects. The visual effects, I mean, this couldn't have been more than like $10 million, but uh, the visual effects aren't great. Yeah, it's like almost no locations, like a couple locations, like barely any money was spent on this film. What to its credit, I mean, you know, I mean, to get a movie this good out of, you know, spending this little money, I mean, you're really ringing good performances out of all the actors and stuff. I think it's shot well for, yeah, you know, as 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 you know, as as dingy as it looks, but I think it it looks dingy on purpose though, because that, oh. a lot of that's lent by the setting, which is kind of a character unto itself in the film, which is something I really actually like about it. Mm-hmm. Well, this is uh, Remy Week's first feature film, so for a you know directorial debut, for all intents and purposes, I you, you can't go wrong with this. Yeah, um, and I would based on this, I would eagerly, eagerly check out whatever he does next. Yeah, maybe more of a budget, uh, but I, I think you know, bad visual effects aside, I'm not gonna say that puts a damper on the movie. It's it is an issue, but it's not so bad an issue that I'm not gonna like ah fuck this movie. It, it it's not the point. So yeah. I I'm willing to give it a pass now. If like this was supposed to be heavily effects intensive and looks like dog shit. Uh, then right, I will yeah. give it problems, but th- ultimately this is about the struggle of two Sudanese refugees who are trying to adjust to a new life in England where seemingly no one wants them to be. Yeah. Timely. <laughs> uh, I don't know what else to say in terms of non-spoilers. Is there anything you want to say non-spoiler right now? Uh, well, and, and we talked about it before we just started recording, but Matt Smith shows up in this movie. Yes, Matt Smith from Doctor Who, from The Crown, uh, which is super, like, it it leveled me and it took me right out of the movie for a hot minute. Mm-hmm. Like, he's not in it very much, and I think I think he's good in it. I don't think he's bad in it or anything, but he's just kind of that kind of presence to him, like, where when he appears in the movie, like, all of a sudden it just, like, knocks you, like, it's like, well, what? Huh? Yeah. What? Why? Huh? Yeah. So that's a little bit jarring, I think. I mean, I want Matt Smith to get work. I like him as an actor. I loved mm-hmm. him as Doctor Who. Sorry, Dan. But, like, I, you know, you I, I don't you, know. Mom. It was a little jarring for me when he showed up. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm I'm more aware of him from The Crown, and I think his, his crown work is exponentially better than Doctor Who because he's it's excellent in The Crown. Not Doctor he's excellent Who. in The Crown. <laughs> right. So... <laughs> So yeah, I do want to see him get more work, even you know, even if it is uh, failure blockbusters like Ter- Terminator Genesis. Uh, I'm fine with Hooray. that because at least people are getting their eyeballs on him as an actor. Yeah, uh, which I still haven't seen that movie, but regardless, uh, I do. I, I feel like a lot of people are going to compare this to Get Out in terms of like a social horror movie because uh, that's what the general trailer vibe was from. This was. A lot of like social commentary packed into a horror movie. So I went into it originally with that kind of lens and I kind of walked out, quote unquote, disappointed because I was like, well, this didn't do what I thought it was going to do. It did something completely different. And on a second watch, that helped me reconcile with the movie much better uh, when I realized, oh, this is what the movie's going for, as opposed to what it what I thought it was going to be. So sometimes watching trailers is to your detriment. Where you think it's going yeah. to be about one thing and come uh, something completely different. Yeah, I mean, as we as we talked about in, 
in downstream it's like you know netflix not always the best with trailers and 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 whatnot i don't know like i said i think the performances are great uh mm-hmm. one mimosaku especially is fantastic in the film i actually really like her performance in it and it's 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 a very serviceable thriller i think a lot of this film really does hinge on the unanswered question like you know just from like the opening hook of this movie because it opens with like this just like quick cut of like a couple different things like boom 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 like here's a flash of these events of them escaping sudan and then boom they're in england at you know living in some kind of asylum or some kind of like halfway house or yep. whatever like and i'm just like like which i mean how did that scene play for you i mean and, and we'll get into like the spoiler stuff eventually but like that scene specifically like when they're they're leaving you know this house or whatever and there's like somebody that lives in the next room is obviously like going insane or something like that and they're like trying to hold them down or like whatever like did you get the impression that like they were like you know, living in some kind of mental health facility or something like that? No, I. it definitely felt like once I saw that, I was like, oh, they're in some, I guess, detention center, for back, lack of a better term, where, yeah. you know, they just have people packed in and, you know, people are horrified by what they experienced in, in the Sudan. So, you yeah. know, they're reacting in different ways. I mean, the one, the guy on the floor was bleeding heavily and being held down by people. So obviously he had a very violent reaction to something. Yeah, but. probably tried to take his own life or something like that, which, you know, I I just, I don't know, like, that to me, like, it's such a quick, like, blip, but it kind of hung with me through the film because it kind of lent a whole, like, are they really seeing these things? Are they not? But then, and I know this is a film that you're not a fan of. I'm not a fan of it either, The Babadook. Like, I really got, like, some of those kinds of vibes from this as well. Like, is this just the way that some of their emotions are manifesting themselves in this house? You know, which more in spoilers but yes it yes. is <laughs> it's uh, yeah, exactly yeah, pretty, what it pretty is much. There, there's one line in the movie that says like your ghosts of your past stay with you and yeah. that is very much what this movie is is most of your past literally what you. this movie is literally in a way i mean it, yeah they, they very explicitly <laughs> tell you what the movie is yeah uh, it doesn't it does it's not a thriller that really pulls any punches it kind of it has that 11th hour swerve but it, it's it's very cut and dry it's very straightforward it's like i said it's 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 a recommend at the yes. end of, at the end of the day three three stars for me. I'm going three and a half. I, I I once I did rewatch it, it did lend a lot to how the movie was played out. I thought there were some weird choices that were then better reconcilable whenever I understood why they were being made and the way they were being made. So yeah, yeah. I, I'm willing to bet you mine would probably bump to a three and a half on a rewatch as well. But I will probably never rewatch this. That's fair. <laughs> You're you don't have to. It's just I, I chose to do it. I, I did get an early screener thanks to the film independent and Gerald because Gerald is very good at getting me uh, into thing, seeing things early recently. So I guess I have to continue to be friends with that guy despite the fact that he made me watch the fucking Halloween franchise. And I, I, I will once again remind myself out loud on the air that I am paying you good money for this. That's true. So... uh not spoilers right away. It's time to get into spoilers. So if you would like to not be spoiled by his house, uh, skip ahead to when we talk about Zodiac, where Nick will tell you how much of a dog shit can that movie is. Let me just play the ending for you. No, no, I don't want to see how it ends. 
Okay, I could describe it. Um, imagine you're in a room. No, no, like no, 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 I don't want to know how it ends. I haven't seen the beginning. Uh, yeah, but the ending is awesome. So if I could just so play the... Bitch, this is what you always do. You always spoil stuff uh, for me. No, I don't. And if I could just play the ending for you real quick, then we'll discuss that. Motherfucker, you always spoil everything before I get a chance okay, to see Okay, you sound like a crazy person right now. All right, so... Paradigm shift, as I call it, and every time I say paradigm, I'm reminded of Final Fantasy XIII. Uh, you just you just want to make me angrier before the Zodiac review. That's what it is. That's what it, it is. <laughs> uh, so it, it turns out that the daughter that we thought they had uh, is actually, it, through a series of events, we find out that she is actually not their daughter, and in fact, he basically stole someone's child in order to be able to uh, Holy leave area. Holy shit. Literally, my jaw about hit the floor. Oh, my jaw oh. dropped too. I was like, Holy wait, fuck. what? Yeah. It, cause and it's like you said, like it completely changes the way that you view these two for the entire fucking movie. It completely changes everything. Like, I, wow. I, I was just like, I, ha, okay. Fuck. It, it was almost <laughs> worth it rewatching it to watch with Ashley because I knew that part was coming up. So I just kind of stared at her. And when the mm-hmm. reveal happened, her fucking draw hit the floor too. It is a very shocking moment and it changes yeah. everything because yeah. up until that point, bull, uh, who is our, who is our main character? He is very dismissive of the fact that he has a daughter at all. He barely recognize, like he barely says anything about her. He looks at this doll that she was carrying around with almost like contempt. And you're like, why? Why is wants he to like burn that? everything? Everything that we brought here is cursed, and everything. Yeah, and, and he he, you know, anytime uh, her like, uh, uh, what, I think it's Nyagak. That's the like the. Yeah, got yeah. Yeah, that so when anytime her name is said, he, you know, clams up and is very dismissive and very quickly moves on to something else. You're like, why is he being such an asshole about his daughter dying? And we see him like swimming away with his wife from their daughter. And it's like, what's going on here? Why is this why is this the way it is? And then you realize, oh, she was nothing more than a means to an end to this guy. Yeah, just uh, because they needed passage to get on the fucking bus to be able to escape because there were, you know, militants headed their way. Like, that is some, especially like that scene, that's a that's a tough scene to watch, like with the mother, like racing after the bus as it like as it leaves and like, uh, yeah, Nyagak is like screaming like for her mother, like the whole time. Like, that's some that's unsettling shit. And like I said, it yeah. completely changes your opinion of the characters, especially of Ball. Like, because you kind of like as you're watching the film like one thing that i thought was interesting is is until the very end of the film you never see these two like the husband and wife they never have these visions of these ghosts together on screen mm-hmm. it's always one person has these experiences one person has these experiences and then you get to see them react to them and react to each other about them you know which is why I kind of thought that there was like a whole mental illness thing that was at play here. Like, is one of them crazy? Is both of them crazy or whatever, whatever the case may be, mm-hmm. you know? And that, yeah, when you get to this point in the film and, and they throw that at you, I was just like, hang on a minute. Whoa. Like, yeah. It's like it, it legitimately completely changes how how you feel about these characters for the for the entire movie. Everything that they've done, especially Ball is like. It's kind of, it's kind of reprehensive in 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 a lot of ways, and it really, you go from really wanting 
them because like i said you, you feel like the, the the creatures and these ghosts or whatever are manifestations of guilt somehow mm-hmm. or manifestations of like they're not grieving properly over their daughter's death yeah. or whatever and then when it hits you with this revelation it's like you kind of want him to get some comeuppance at that point mm-hmm. yeah that's what at i felt like this movie is survivor's guilt the movie like he is haunted by yeah. all these people that were stuck drowning in the boat uh, we get multiple shots of him like at the ocean in the ocean and then like there's all these bodies underneath him like he's walking on all these bodies of all the yeah. people that died on the passage like there is there is very much that tone and that theme of survivor's guilt but then when you actually get to that point where it's like oh he survived on way more bodies than we could even fathom. Yeah. It's his character moves from being sympathetic to boy, fuck this guy. Yeah. You kind of like immediately as a viewer develop like a sense of contempt for the character and it immediately kind of gives you even more because uh, real is like, and I like the kind of way that they split the characters like he's trying to adapt much more to this yep. london society life where you know he's sitting at a table using silverware and doing all these things and she's kind of trying to still stay true to like their sudanese roots where you know she's eating with her hands and they're sitting on the floor and she's speaking and with their, their dialect yeah exactly and you know i i like the way that they set them at odds with each other in that regard and like i said they just they give really really great performances but i think like the way that she kind of like i said when you assume it's their daughter when you think it's their daughter like the way that she won't move on and the way that he seems all too eager to move on but then like i said it's such a such a great shift i mean it's 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 a great shift it's such a simple twist yeah but it completely it's one of those twists that completely upends the entire film uh easily made this a much more enjoyable and engaging film for me i probably would have two and a half this to be honest sure um like without this twist but i think this twist is strong enough that it's like good but um can we talk about the beast thing sure or the witch thing yeah whatever yeah did that did that work for you at all not really no no it, i mean like the the problem is is like when they first shot it it's basically all in dark and i'm just like okay so it looks like a guy and then at the end, I think they went more practical with that because it a- they actually had it interact with him. So they had to go practical, which I appreciate. Right. So they like, I liked it from that aspect, but like, I don't feel like uh, I wasn't scared by it. It was just kind of like a, oh, so this is actually, uh, again, I'll this bring is up actually the happening. Yeah. Yeah. I'll bring up the Babadook. Like, I feel like uh, it's just one of those kind of things. I don't think it was needed. No, at all, because I think that, you know, I think if 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 they're just dealing with these manifestations of their guilt and and everything in their head, I don't need to see like it it feels like the the film almost tries to go cliche creature thriller kind of thing at the very at the 11th hour, which I didn't appreciate. I was like, if you just omit that and like it all of a sudden, like with this revelation that it wasn't really their daughter and it's like they're trying to deal with this guilt and everything. And then you just have like they just come to an acceptance of what they've done and that they have to do their best to try to honor all these people that, you know, on whose backs they, in some cases, literally rode to get to where they are now. Right. You know, I feel like if you just you don't need you don't need the beast to take its pound of flesh from him, you know, in order to in order to do that, like that's a revelation that he could have come to without the excessive 
like I said, it felt like it was just trying to be a horror movie at that point for sure. just to just throw a horror scene in there, and I don't think the film needs it at all. Right, right. And that's a big problem I also have with the Babadook is, other, other than the fact that, you know, a child screaming the entire That kid? Movie, uh, <laughs> you know, the Babadook being a real manifestation, like a real thing, as opposed to just yeah. being like their psychological issues, you know, becoming what they think is a manifestation. Kind of, yeah. do, it does take away from it quite a, quite a bit. So, yeah. I mean... Yeah, I could have done without that. Uh, I, there is still, so I do want to bring up, there is still the subtext of uh, potentially the white people wanting them to be portrayed as crazy to get rid of them because they don't want the 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 black immigrants in, in their country. Uh, there is a bit of that. Yeah. We have the neighbor who's like, you should just leave. You're going to get fucking kicked out anyway. Just leave now. Yeah. Screw it. And, and I mean, like you have the, the people who were at um Matt Smith's place of employment were like, your house is bigger than my house. And it's like, well. Yeah. But look at the house. Have you been to the house? Let me show you this house and how, how shitty the wallpaper is. And there's fucking black mold all over the place, too. Gotta love those holes in the wall. Yeah. You what know, a fucking the palace. electrical doesn't even work until he literally has to fix it himself because they don't fix it. They, t- they tell yeah, him to fix his own f- front door, even though it came off the fucking hinges before they even stepped foot in the house. Yeah. <laughs> so like th- there is still that subtext it's not as prevalent and i i guess that's not okay. even necessarily think it's I, I think it's it's also a nationalistic kind of thing too it doesn't even necessarily have to be a race thing because you even have that scene of the of the three teenage boys that are all black that are like you know go back to africa and whatnot because they don't want her there either so i think there's a lot of nationalism in that too you know where yeah well, you had the whole Brexit thing, and that's kind of what Brexit was all about. Was oh, uh, yeah. the the EU wants people to or wants there you countries go. It's to take a Brexit in refugees. allegory, folks. Yeah, <laughs> uh, the EU wants to take people to take countries to take in uh, refugees, and Br- uh, Britain was just like, eh, no, we're too racist to want to take in refugees. Fuck it. Yeah. So yeah, it's a it's an anti-Brexit film, folks. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Nick, is there anything else you want to say about his house? Uh, infinitely better than the film we're going to talk about. I'm playing my card next close to my chest for this one. Can't wait. Oh yeah, I do. Like I said, we, we both recommend this one. Check it out. Uh, check it out. It, Definitely. It, if you're a fan of, if you're a fan of thrillers, uh, of, of that ilk. Um, yeah. And I hope that honest to God, like this is one. And I feel this way very, very, very infrequently, but I really hope that this is a, portion of the review that you're only listening to after you've seen it and that you didn't listen before you saw it because oh my god yeah, i feel like that cause... twist has to be experienced the first time you watch the movie you know without knowing it going in because it'll make the experience a lot better for you i feel yeah it, it's going to and if for some reason you you are around here it's a twist like nick said it, it's very simple but it's also one that you don't think is among the possibilities of what the twist could be so e- even though we said twist i don't think you're going to guess that that's the twist yeah, no, uh, I, I was literally unless you're somebody like, who like pauses the movie and starts writing out a list of all the things like, hmm, well, it could be this or it could be this. I swear to God, if I hear Paul review this movie and he's like, I knew it, five minutes in what was going to happen and I hated the whole thing. I'm going to fly to Perth and kick him in the dick. Yeah. Just God, like I threaten that a lot, don't I? <laughs> so uh, a three from Nick, a three and a half from me. It's a recommend. So see with that. It's time to cut into a quick break, and when we come back, it's time to watch Nick's favorite movie of all time in a patron-requested review, Zodiac. 
Let's see, Alex. Uh, what do you think of Jaws, which is at 97% Rotten Tomatoes? I find it to be anti-shark propaganda. What do you feel about the Entourage movie, which is at a meager 33%? I think they finally got Hollywood right. How about It Follows, 97%. Worse than your parents giving you the sex is evil talk. How do you feel about Juno, which is at 94%? That would be a movie that celebrates a teenage homewrecker. Uh, how about Bewitched at 25%? Best television adaptation ever put to film. How do you feel about American Hustle? The towering 93%. Overwrought awards bait. Righteous Kill, 19%. The movie that Michael Mann wishes he had made when he created Heat. Sounds about right. I'm Julio. I'm Alex, and we are the Contrarians. As you can tell, our thing is that we rage against the Rotten Tomatoes machine. Regardless of what we really feel. Find us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn. Facebook, Twitter, we're everywhere. It's time uh, to hear the the Nick Bitch Fest in a Patreon requested review for Zodiac. Well, fine, if you don't want my money. You mean, if we watch terrible movies, you'd give us money? Well, sure. Mr. Caleb, welcome to the Patreon review segment. Why, Bobby, why? Uh, I will get to that after I give all the particulars. Zodiac is a 20... Oh, God, why did I say 20? 07. Uh, 2007 <laughs> film. That's exactly how you say that. It's a 2007 film. Rated a 7.7 7 out of 10 on IMDb. Directed by David Fincher. With a screenplay by James Vanderbilt and Robert Graysmith, uh, who wrote the book. Uh, and stars Jake Gyllenhaal, Robert Downey Jr., and Mark Ruffalo, amongst others. In the late... 1960s, early 1970s, the San Francisco cartoonist becomes an amateur detective obsessed with tracking down the Zodiac Killer, an unidentified individual who terrorizes North Northern California with a killing spree. Uh, so why, Bobby, why? Um, she saw that this was a David Fincher movie when she put it on and went, oh, I think Dan might want to watch that at some point. So, uh, yes, I did. I, it was actually in my list on Netflix, so I, of course... Wanted to watch it. So uh, thank you to the Bubby who does this every now and then where she's like, I want to watch something and I want to make Dan watch it too. So we will watch it together. Because most of the time Hooray. I make her watch shit for the show. Uh, Nick, before we... Actually, you know, we'll hold my thoughts because we already know what your thoughts are. I want to hear them expanded upon because I've only ever seen you complain about this movie in the Twitter sphere. I don't think I've ever he heard you on a podcast complain about Zodiac. So please tell it's me true. everything about Zodiac that you hate. Um, pretty much everything about it. I mean, except for its performances and its production, I think it's a well-made movie. Mm -hmm. uh, for in terms of like Fincher's direction, in terms of how the film is shot, I think the performances of the cast are good. I think, and I figured out the problem with this, Dan. This is a wannabe true crime podcast with a really, really huge budget. You know, like those really bad true crime podcasts that think they have it all figured out, and you know they want to pause it and like the first like what third or maybe half of this movie is like all of the actual zodiac killer stuff yes and then the whole rest of it is all just whatever robert graysmith mm -hmm. thinks mm -hmm. and it's not interesting and it's not compelling and it's not engaging and then nothing ever happens because this case was never solved it's still just wide open so this literally is just a really really expensive video true crime podcast which i am not a fan of this is not my genre i don't care 
at all. Sure. Whatsoever. People call this movie thrilling. I don't understand why. Because I'm just not like I don't I don't feel any tension in any of this. Like I I I really, really don't. Like it's just like a bunch of fact dumps. Here's a bunch of stuff that happened, and then it swerves into weird thriller territory where all of a sudden the music gets pulse pounding and Jake Joan Hall is in a basement and then he gets scared and he runs out of the basement. Uh-huh. uh-huh. The end. Uh-huh. I just I'm not I just I I'm not a fan of any of what I watched. I just don't find it the material itself I just don't find engaging. I don't like if you're a true crime person, if you're somebody who loves true crime, if you're somebody that loves to watch all the true crime shows on Netflix or whatever else about serial killers murdering people and stuff. You will love it. You'll think it's the greatest thing ever. Uh, I do not like that stuff. Hence, I do not like this because that's exactly what this is. Okay. That's fair. So uh, the first half of the movie you talked about is the actual Zodiac stuff. And like you said, that is, that is the most interesting part. It's also like a throwback to like the 1940s noir detective kind of stories. And I like the game LA Noir. So it kind of reminded me a lot of that, although Boston Confidential or not, not Boston Confidential, L.A. Confidential is like this, like the spiritual uh, predecessor to L.A. Noir. So that's fine. I So I kind of enjoyed it from a noir aspect. But then, as you said, we get into the Robert Graysmith portion and Robert Graysmith is not interesting in any way, shape or form at all. No, he he is about as bland as it could be. In spite of the best efforts of Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, uh, and we all know my love fest with the movie Nightcrawler, which is arguably one of the best performances I have ever seen from any actor ever, uh, where he goes completely nuts. In this, he is about as white bread as they fucking come. And it, it kind of pissed me off seeing Jake Gyllenhaal just be bland. Now, of course, uh, Don, at least in Donnie Darko, I hate that, but at least he's fucking doing something. In In this, he's not doing anything. It's just like, oh, well. He's, I mean, he's, if anything, this shows you his range because he can play just completely white bread, bland, most boring character ever put to screen ever. He's not a compelling protagonist whatsoever. No. In fact, no character in this film, I would argue, is very compelling at all. Correct. None I, of them. I, I agree with that. Uh, Mark Ruffalo is whatever. Tony uh, Tony Stark is playing Tony Stark, basically, except he's a writer for a paper as opposed to being a tech magnate. Yeah. And I don't, like I said, I don't think that performances in this film are bad. I just don't think, like, it's literally, it's just a fact dump. It's just, we're just dumping facts about the Zodiac Killer case at you for uh, 90 minutes. And then there's a whole, like, hour and 20 minutes after that of just Robert Graysmith just like there's Existing. a point in this movie where like halfway through and I, I I mentioned this on social media when I was posting about the movie but halfway through this movie like it time jumps forward nobody else cares and like all these other characters are telling him they're like you know how many other murders there have been in California since Zodiac like all this number like all these other people die in all these other ways this dude killed like five people or so that we know of that we could confirm and that you know we don't believe it was just copycats or whatever else like We've all moved on. So did I as a viewer, because even by the end of like the Zodiac killer, like portion, like all the confirmed stuff about the case, Mm -hmm. I didn't care anymore. I was like, okay, the end, end of movie ended at 90 minutes. This would have been a positive rubber stamp. Goodbye. See you later. Instead, this thing drags on for an eternity. This movie, it's two hours, like 40 minutes long. It feels like it's like 18 hours long. It's excruciating the runtime of this fucking movie. 
Yeah, I pretty much agree. Um, I, d- I did think of a, a more interesting way this could have been framed, uh, which is just have the movie center around Robert Graysmith redigging up facts about the Zodiac case and present them in a logical, in a logical manner. Uh, similar to the trailers of the Chicago 7. Now, maybe my, my idea was influenced based off of that movie, but at least it wouldn't you wouldn't be regurgitating facts over and over again, which is another problem is like we just regurgitate things over and over for no reason whatsoever. Like it's like, hey, remember this thing that happened in the first 20 minutes? Okay, we're going to talk about that again. And here's all the facts and here we're going to present it as it's new information again. It's not it's not interesting or compelling. You know, if you're going to if you're going to have him revisit facts of the case. Fuck, don't have him re- revisit facts of the case, you know, just. Have us find new information. Also, uh, I, like, yeah, you're you're right. It is a true crime podcast in visual form, and I fucking hated you know what, the Dan? second half for that. I figured out what the problem was. I'm listening. I feel I feel like the pro- <laughs> oh god in heaven, Dan. I feel like the problem was its screenwriter James Vanderbilt, oh, who no. also penned who oh, also no. penned such masterpieces as. Uh, well, he did write the Amazing Spider-Man films, uh, Some, or at least he wrote the story for them. He also wrote White House Down. Dan, he also wrote Independence Day Resurgence. Wait. Wait. Yeah. He so wrote here's... Murder Mystery, the Adam Sandler movie. Yes. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Wait. Because here's the thing. Here's the thing. Like when you talk about like, uh, and and you know of of course uh, of my absolute adoration for another Fincher film, The Social Network, which yes. I'm pretty sure was the film that Fincher made after this film. Yes, that film is also incredibly boring subject matter. It's a whole bunch of legal trials and stuff, but it's shot and it's presented and it's created in such a way because you have Aaron Sorkin writing the screenplay mm-hmm. that makes it compelling stuff. Similar to like what Sorkin did when he wrote Steve Jobs, where it's literally just like three Apple tech conferences, but the way the material is created and presented. So if you have an able and a good screenwriter, it's good. This movie just plays out literally as, like I said, it just plays out as like a bunch of fact dumps. There's no compelling mm-hmm. or interesting characters you don't learn anything really interesting about any of the characters you don't really care about any of the characters journeys Mm -hmm. through this and like there's a serious point halfway through where every other character in this movie has completely checked out of the whole zodiac thing and then the movie spends all this time trying to convince us as viewers to still care about it for like over an hour longer Uh um this is just i think just bad bad and like i've never read the book i have no interest in reading the book whatsoever oh it I sounds like a snorefest yeah but like it's just i i feel like that's all this is is it's just an endless endless fact dump i don't understand why people like this movie i don't get it this is just it's it's like a police procedural like as seriously it's like an ifc midnight fucking something recreation like a whole bunch of that's what it feels like is like expensive crime scene reenactments from like serial killer shows yeah seriously that's exactly what i feel like this movie is and i agree with you if you kept it to a tight 90 minutes or maybe like a a tight two hours and you had more interesting things happening with the zodiac killer case as opposed to revisiting everything in stupid ways uh this probably would have gotten a pass but ultimately because the script is so bad, because the characters are so bland, not due to the performances, but due to the script giving them nothing to do, 
this movie is a slog and a snore fest. And it, I, I don't understand. Like, so we, we talked about last week, David Fincher went in to Mindhunter season two, went, this script is shit. Get me another one. How does he not go? This script is shit. Get me another one to Zodiac. I, I, I don't, I don't get it. And a lot of it was, I mean, from my reading on the film, you know, Fincher went into this when they hired him and he was like, no, we need to make this more true to life. And he spent like ages actually investigating all of the different angles of the Zodiac killer case and actually wanted to make everything as true to life as they possibly could. You know, so a lot of the stuff that happens in the movie really happened in real life. Like I said, when you get through like all of the investigative things of it, like the letters that he sent, the ciphers, uh, the pieces of the bloody clothing of the cab driver, like all those different things are all real things that actually happen, Mm -hmm. but they're just unfolded and they're just presented in such a way, like I said, where it's just literally just fact dumping at the audience and then like it has the titles even coming up on the screen like uh this time uh whatever pm you know like it's literally just like just presenting information to you just just here's this information here's this that happened if this was a 90 minute documentary that fincher had just made about the zodiac killer case like with all this knowledge of it because he's clearly has a lot of knowledge about it and he studied it really really well fine then that would have been perfect but why is it why is it this really expensive produced thriller with this whole like hour plus portion tacked on the end, which has never been confirmed or whatever? Like he's the primary suspect in it, but he also died 20. Well, even as at the time this film was produced, he died like 15 years before the film was even made. You know, like it's just still an open, active case. It'll never, ever, ever be solved. Probably. Yeah. You know, nothing was ever conclusive about it, but it it just feels like it goes like almost as if like Robert Graysmith himself, like watched the first 90 minutes of the movie and then made up his own ending to it. Like, seriously, like, that's how it plays out to me. And none of it's believable. None of it's convincing. None of it's interesting. And then, like, it tries to, like, subtly insert, like, the like the the drama with his wife and, like, not feeling safe. Don't care. Those kinds of things. But none of that, like... Seriously, they spend no time on him as a character in the first, like, 90 minutes of this film whatsoever at all. Right. Like, you just don't care about him do you, or Do you want to know what his character his character is? And they say in the movie, are you ready? He's a Boy Scout. Doesn't drink, doesn't smoke, doesn't do anything. Just sits at his desk and goes home. He's a regular guy. That's that's literally what they say in the movie, and that's all his character is, which is that's as interesting <gasps> as he is, Boring. Too. Yep. It's just not, it's just not interesting. Like if, if, like I said, if if you're into the Zodiac killer case, like if you're somebody that loves like true crime, uh, recreations, true crime shows, true crime podcasts, whatever, where they just give you all the facts of a case and just throw it at you. And then they, you know, exposit for an hour at the end about this is why we think it was this person. You will absolutely worship this movie. You'll think it's the greatest thing you've ever seen. I hate those things, so I hate this. This movie's fucking terrible. One and a half stars. Fuck you, David Fincher, for wasting again. And I watched this again. I've seen it before. So for wasting another two hours and 45 minutes of my life. Uh, I won't be quite as harsh. because I, I do still like a lot of parts of it. But, I mean, it is down this low because of how boring the script is. Uh, going two and a half. Like, it's it's meh. It's lesser Fincher, but, like, there's still a style to it. And I do really like the first half. 
The first half, I I, I really like the noiry aspect of it because it's like at least it's it's at least, it's at least interesting, right? Like, to learn all those aspects of it, even though it is boring and there's nothing really interesting about any of the characters you're still like okay like this is at least interesting and like i could see if it like kept heightening the tension but here's here's the problem when you toe the line um based on a true story kind of movies and you're trying to make a movie that's engaging or interesting sometimes real life is boring and not engaging and not interesting and that i feel like is the case here (laughs) <laughs> if this were a movie about Dan Brennick, directed by David Oh, Bencher. fuck, it would just be nothing but me screaming at, at a computer about League of Legends. That's it. I would watch the shit out of that movie. <laughs> I, I Like I said, I love the performances, and I think Fincher, like, I think the scenes are directed well for yep. what he does. I think everything is shot very well. I don't think this is poorly made by no. any stretch of the imagination. I just don't think this material makes for an engaging entertaining cinema experience i just don't i think it's boring as fuck legitimately i wanted to do anything that was not this while i was doing this at all yeah yeah that's fair i could have read compliance by sam hurley now uh soon to be a bestseller we hope maybe sam for sam's, hurley for sam's sake for sam the hurley he boy please please let me read your book <laughs> please buy my book. let me read your book for the love of God, just read the boy's book. You're not doing anything. <laughs> you could be watching David Fincher's Zodiac, and you don't want to do that. <laughs> there you go. Instead of watching Zodiac, just buy Compliance by Sam Hurley. I'm holding it up uh, on the video call with Dan. Uh, this means nothing to you, audio audience, but just pretend there is a man holding a book in front of you with Sam Hurley's name on it. Man, and Sam, then you Sam will get I'll tell you what. That's the best yeah. advertising you could have ever gotten for your book. There you go. Better than a shitty David Fincher 2007 thriller. I haven't even read it yet, but I'm sure it is. <laughs> so, uh, that is it for Zodiac, and that is it for Nick. Uh, Nick, goodbye forever. Thank you for having me, Dan. Uh, thank you. Uh, you. Your RSS feed isn't up yet, but uh, where can people find you on the internet so they can find where your RSS feed will be? Uh, so it will be uh, NikolaisKitchen.com, which is, <laughs> I still have to actually get that as well. Uh, so I have to, you Better know, purchase. Up. You know about internet trolls. That's yeah, very, very true. Like when Emily purchased the Epic Film Guys domain <laughs> from because we just didn't do it for the longest time and then she's like all right bastards we're gonna do this but uh so it's at nikolai's kitchen all over social media instagram which i actually use instagram now which is weird uh twitter it's facebook, hilarious all. you you hated facebook and then you got another facebook thing it's it's basically true well this is like whatever but i mean I'm, I'm 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 flying out on my own uh you know aside from popping up randomly on on shows like this or wherever you're not gonna get to hear much from me um, talking about movies and stuff. I really would love to do movie reviews on my YouTube channel, which is the Red Ray Lives uh, on YouTube. But uh, I don't. It's just all a matter of time. Like I don't know if I'm going to have actually the time to do that. But they would be short reviews. They would be like five minutes if I did it. Sure. You know. So condense everything I said it about Zodiac into it's really boring and it sucks. Or I maybe mean, I could do do one sentence reviews like I did for Fury like way back in the day. Why can't an entire German regiment outflank one fucking tank? Yeah, a broken re- tank re- at that. Re- and then reach for camera to shut off. That's yes, the best part of that video is he says that entire rant, and then you watch him reach to the camera to turn it off. It's true. 
It's very, very, very true. Once again, uh, Zodiac written by Independence Day Resurgence I, scribe I, James uh, Vanderbilt. Dude, if I would have just done a little bit of research before, I'd be like, oh, this is why Nick hates it, because this, this guy's a fucking hack. Yeah, uh, he is a producer and writer known for Zodiac, Independence Day Resurgence, and White House Down. Oh, I wanted to <laughs> shoot myself as soon as I saw it. Like, oh, that explains. Boy, howdy, what everything. a pedigree! Yeah, it's like I really, I was so curious. I was like, where was the missing link in this? Where did this fall apart? There it is. I mean, but, it definitely. Uh, yeah. was, I mean, no matter what, it was the script. So it would have been interesting to see like who did the script and if they were just having a bad day yeah. or something. Nope. Th- this that. That is this is probably the pinnacle of this guy's writing talent. And oh, for sure, he was associated the fact- with a with a David Fincher movie that was very well received critically, and a lot of people really do enjoy it. But, yeah, uh, yeah, Nikolai's Kitchen. Just uh, you want to hear me talk about food and positivity? That'll be all about food and positive things. Positivity. So, so no zodiac discussion. We will not be talking about zodiac on the show. Uh, you know, it's all going to be about food. Follow me on the social medias and stuff. See what I'm cooking. See what I'm talking about. Uh, see what I'm doing, because uh, it's going to be really interesting. And uh, if if I can plug my Patreon for it as well, which is also Nikolai's no, Kitchen, uh, every quarter you'll get something from my kitchen. I will cook something, and I will be cooking or baking or something or whatever. Christmas cookies is coming uh, in December to all my top-tier patrons. So, uh, yeah, if that interests you, find me, Nikolai's Kitchen. Set it up. Let's do it. Sounds good. Thank you for having me, Dan. I love you. Uh, and Caleb, I also love you. Uh, actually, I'm not mad that I had you. We, this is so. This is the problem. You and I mainly agree on most things. It's like true. Ninety five percent of things we agree on. Uh, the five percent, I can't remember what. Oh, it's basically like Event Horizon. Event Horizon is our big disparity. <laughs> which I almost feel like Oof. we need to have that on mic just so everyone can point to something and be like, "Hey, for everyone who says it's the same person." Event Horizon. It is true. A lot of people would say we're the same person too, because I mean, yeah. But yeah, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I, that's I probably I can't really think of anything else where because most of the time, uh, and, and now granted, I don't see a lot of the stuff that you guys talk about on the show, but a lot of the times when I do, and you have an opinion of it's fine, I'll watch it and I'll be like, boy, Dan sure was right about another one. See, see, everyone <laughs> mean I it, it's become a meme, but I'm mostly right when I say it's fine. It's typically fine. It's true. It's true. It, like I will point out some excellent things, like what uh, one br who apparently for some reason re- listened to my review that I had three months ago on the show about it uh, said I said a spoiler thing about it, despite the fact that I remember specifically saying I'm not spoiling this movie. And then uh, I don't know. Uh, I said that movie was fine, but ultimately it's actually a decent horror movie. So uh, whatever. Uh, next week on the show. I uh, did confer with Caleb. We are doing Over the Moon, uh, which I don't know if Hooray. Uh, it's an animated movie that uh, just got put out on Netflix, and I have to look it up. But um, John Cho is a voice in it, so there's that. Uh, Over the Moon, uh, fueled by memories of her mother, resourceful Feifei built a rocket to the moon on a mission to prove the existence of a legendary moon goddess. Uh, this is the the big animated movie that got released on Netflix this this week. So, uh, potential Oscar campaign for that one. Willing to bet it's better than Zodiac. Uh, I would agree with that, based off of the the nothing I've seen of that movie. <laughs> and with the uh, on the 
a back half of that and by back half i mean back third of that because this is a three segment show most of the time we're doing a dick pic so nick i would like for you to go to randomwordgenerator.com now see i will have you know daniel that i already did this earlier oh there we go and the word that i got i see i was hoping that you were going to let me have it oh of course i was oh god oh ah 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 uh, I opened Netflix and it automatically started playing an ad for one of its originals. Thank you, Netflix. Which which original? Uh, the Queen's Gambit, which I believe just came out. Yes, it's a or limited series new. starring Anya Taylor Joy from The Vavitch and the Split <laughs> from The Vavitch. But uh, yes, so I already did this earlier today because I was hoping you were going to defer to me, and it uh, came up with the word respect, Dan. Which respect. Yeah, it gave me uh, Tyler Perry's A Fall from Grace. Fuck! Is the first option. Fuck! (laughs) Fuck! (laughs) Fuck! (laughs) Fuck! (sighs) Fuck! Fuck! Colby Mack reviewed this earlier this year and said it was fucking dreadful, so I... (laughs) (laughs) You're you're welcome, Dan. Uh, And Caleb, presumably, who... I had to watch Zodiac in your stead, Caleb, so... I hope you get more out of this than I got out of mine. <laughs> it's two hours. Two hours. It's two hours. <laughs> it's yeah. two. Fuck. Ah, <laughs> oh. I I still love you guys. I I love you a lot. <laughs> I could have I could have gone one category down because Angel has fallen is right below it. <laughs> Serendipitous. Uh, it's a whole lot of nope on this on this search page. Whole lot of nope on here. Sorry, I'm I'm writing that on there because I need all of those things and re- to remember to blame you and actually myself too because I let you pick. This is what you get for deferring to me. I want to point out, this is now the second piece of garbage you, you've given us in the last month. Now listen, I get, what did I give you the previous Patreon uh, the uh, quarter? home is where, oh, last quarter? I think it was something, oh, a social network. Yeah, so I gave you, well, and, and you guys obviously aren't as high on it as I am, but um, right. you enjoyed it at right. least we're, for we're normal human whatever. beings. You know, so, uh, you know, I had for the last couple of Patreon quarters, I had given you stuff that I was like, okay, I'm not going to make them suffer, but it had been a while. Since we had heard from good old Mar Vista Entertainment, and I really, when you and Caleb get to tear into a Mar Vista film, there's some kind of magic that happens. At least the and acting it had been a good, while, which was surprising. Yeah. That, that uh, the acting to uh, Home is where the killer is uh, better than it deserves. Like I said, it had been a while, so mm. you know, uh, we just hadn't heard. Anything about Mar Vista in a while, and I was like, are they still out there? They've got to be. Like, they produce movies for $7, so... Yep, 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 pretty much. Ah, so, thank you to Space Weather for the use of our song. I'm bitter because Nick continues to pick garbage can fucking movies for us. And I'm uh, not watching Tyler Perry's A Fall from Grace next week. Uh, I'm now expecting Caleb to be like, can't make this week. <laughs> Get Nick back. <laughs> I, he'll probably do it, too. Yeah. 
he'll be like, I suddenly feel like I can't make the show. I've got the COVID. Uh, I can't. I can't come back. Goodbye. I, I'm sick that day. <laughs> all right. Well, you can find the podcast at netflixandswill.com. That's your one-stop shop finding all things Netflix and Swill. Netflixandswill.com slash Apple Podcast. Take you to our Apple Podcast page where you can view us on Apple Podcasts. Also, subscribe to us. Uh, that's it. Uh, follow us on social medias at Netflix and Swill everywhere: Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, Instagram post to Facebook. We don't. We don't. We're not on Facebook. So if you want to actually interact with me, Instagram or Twitter is the best place to do so. You go to samhurley.net to order your copy of Compliance today. Yeah. I think his website is up. Is his website up? I don't even know if it's up. Sam, I'm plugging your book for you. Make all of the Sam money. Samhurley.net. Yep, it's up. There you go. Samhurley.net, folks. Yep, you can Get buy it on Amazon or Kindle or Kobo, whatever the fuck that is. I'm assuming that's some New Zealand thing. Probably. You're going to get way more mileage out of it than you will out of Zodiac. That's true. So, uh, everything has been said. Is, uh, I assume, Nick, is there any co- random cooking t- tip you would like to give to somebody? Um, Reductions are amazing. It's where I started restaurant, and that's probably where Nikolai's Kitchen is going to start as well. Okay. So... Uh, thank you everybody for listening and uh, until next time we will see you next Tuesday. 